0: Welcome along to episode three of the Loftcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QBR media team and I'm joined by my colleague Paul Morrissey and club ambassador Andy Sinton. Today we'll be joined by director of football Les Ferdinand. Our first guest is Jake Bidwell.
1: 47 on the clock. Bidwell with one arm in the air and then now swings in the ball. It's towards Polter, Headed away to the edge of the area. Anua heads it down. Polter tries to try.
2: Anua! Yes!
0: Jake Bidwell, thanks for joining us. Let's let's start by going right back to the beginning, if we will then. Um, if my research is correct, you got picked up by Everton whilst playing in goal for your Sunday league team because the usual keeper was in Australia for six weeks,
3: is that right? Yeah, um, I was playing outfield and then um, our goalkeeper had family in Australia, so he went on holiday for six weeks, so obviously it left us without a goalie. Um, so I said I'd do it while he was away. Um, Ended up getting picked up um, and then getting signed here. Yeah. So, um, so you're a good keeper. I, well, I was I was, I was probably about the same the same height as I am now when I was about <laughs> th- 12. So uh, nothing wrong with that, yeah. Jake. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it was. I enjoyed it at the time. Um, ended up being at Everton for two years as a keeper and then sort of decided I wanted to move back outfield. Um,
0: and you actually quit. Everton, didn't you, for a period?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um I just decided, you know, I wanted to go and play back with my mates. Um but six months later I ended up getting in the sort of the school's rep team, um and then getting picked up again about six months later. Um as a left back? centre, centre back. As a center back centre back, yeah. Um and I was I was still under under contract there so they said, you know, come back, um and we'll have a look at you. Um as a, originally as a centre half and then a couple of years later, I ended up moving out to left-back. So.
0: so talk me through it. You're, you're on the books of Everton, but then you decide you just want to go back and play with your mates in the park. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's never yeah, cracked yeah. it at the top, that sounds very strange
1: to me. How Andy, old were can... you at that time that you made um, that call?
3: I was 11 when I got picked up, and then I was, I was 13 when I decided you know, I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. Uh, what weren't
0: you enjoying about that? Because most people would say, what's, what's not to enjoy about being a footballer at the age of 11 at the club? But,
3: I, I think... When you're a goalkeeper, you're very separate from the the rest of the lads. So, when you're not full time like you are today, you're not in with the lads all the time. So, um, you know the the training for goalkeepers was on different days. Uh, so you weren't in, didn't, you weren't involved in the squad as such. You just sort of see the lads on a match day. Um, and I just it was quite a lot of travelling for me as well. Um, and I just decided I wasn't really. And did
1: they stop you from obviously playing with your mates as well? Because. Yeah, no, to no. play and train with Everton?
3: No. Oh, yeah, that did sorry at the time, yeah. Um, but then when I said I'd, I didn't want to do it, there wasn't really anything they could do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it stopped me from sort of playing for the school team and, and things like that as well. So, um, yeah, it's, I just wasn't enjoying it. And thankfully I had supportive parents and supportive family that sort of let me go on with it, whereas, you know, you hear stories of other, other parents sort of pushing the them, pushing them down... Uh, an avenue they don 't really want to go, so
4: um, yeah just coming in there, and I think that 's a great point jake 's made about, you know um, kids enjoying the football, and he 's made another good point that there is a, a lot of pushy parents uh, and that can hinder a kid rather than help him you know if you 're not enjoying it, well we wouldn 't do anything would be so with an eleven or twelve year old I think that 's a really big, brave decision to make, but probably the right one
3: yeah no it 's like I said when you 're playing football at that age, you just want to enjoy it, and thankfully. <coughs> That's all my mum and dad wanted me to do as well. So they were, they like I say, they just let me get on with it, and you know, f- thankfully it turned out all right in the end. So <laughs> it
0: did turn out all right. And just, when you went back then, you're you're coming through the academy. Um, Phil Neville, Leighton Baines, two players that were there. Yeah. I'm sure there's there's other names as well. Did you see in those players at that time that the two of those, for example, were going to go go on and have great careers in the game like they have Yeah,
3: they just. Um, you, you, they never put a, a foot wrong, you know, around the place. And and the way i seen that was that was the way they lived their life mm-hmm. and that reflected them on the pitch. You know, you see you see other players that were maybe a bit more erratic in the lifestyle and the way they were around the place. And you sort of see they might get away with it for a certain period of time on the pitch, but eventually that will come back and, um, you know, haunt them sort of thing. So I, 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 that's what I picked up from them types of people. Mm-hmm.
1: That, so there's as much what they were doing off the pitch as the, how they were playing on the pitch. Yeah, no,
3: definitely. I think the consistency mm. off, the, off the pitch goes hand-in-hand hand with what they do on the pitch. Um, and, yeah, you should say, Phil Phil Neville, Leighton Baines, Phil Jagielka, Tim Howard, Sylvan Distam was there at the time. Good great pro. pros. Yeah, all great pros and had great careers. So, um, as a young lad, they, you, know, you can't
4: ask for more than that for people to look up to. Can you relate to that, Andy? You, you've obviously, had, you had a great career yeah, as a professional I, I think i've gone on record as saying many many years ago ray wilkins was a was a massive influence on my career not just as a footballer but exactly what jake's talking about you know i used to look at him and go why are you coming smart every day why do you why do you speak in the manner that you speak to everyone? why do you train you've got 84 caps and you've got probably more money than you can spend but why do you still want to be at the front you know and it's it's little things like that that youngsters or or younger pros can and should learn from and. Uh, so he's just mentioned a few names there five or six great people that he can be learning on a daily basis not just as a footballer everything because it all goes into the mix
0: and you won I think again if research
4: is correct you won
0: Everton's academy Player of the year having made just one appearance you must have made quite an impact in that one appearance
1: we is made one first team appearance having one okay, academy yeah. yeah. player. of the year
3: to be fair I don't think there was many coming through at that time I, yeah I think um, it was sort of more the young player of the year was sort of more the under-21s right. player of the year um, so it wasn't the, um, that sort of the first team's yep. player as, as such so that's the story behind that one I think if you, if you
0: look at QBR nowadays much has been made of there being a pathway of succession from 18s to 21s or 23s as it is now to the first team we've seen in the last couple of weeks Alameda Shadiba and Osman Kakai yep. making a breakthrough at first team level looking back at your time as a, as a youngster how important is that, that as young players, you can see
3: that there is a natural progression? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's massive, you know, um, it gives you massive hope um, that if you carry on doing the right things and keep working hard and improving yourself every day, that if you get to that level, then you will get a chance, you know. And like you say, you've got day and uh, Ozzy made the debuts, so if I was a young lad there now, I'd be thinking if... You know, if I do the business, then I'm going to get a
0: chance. It's almost they're an inspiration yeah, to the next. Yeah, no, company.
3: yeah, definitely, because there's there's other clubs that where you probably you could do as much as, you know, you, as you could possibly you do. Possibly do, yeah, and and because of your age, someone is just won't just won't give you a chance, which you know maybe that's the way they work and that's the that's their choice. But um, for young lads coming through, here they, they see that the gaffer's willing to uh, willing to do that if they if they show they're capable.
0: Switching matters back to yourself then and your move um, from Brentford for an undisclosed fee this summer. You signed a three-year deal. Um, unlike many of the signers that QBO have made this summer, you didn't have to up sticks and move because yeah. it was just down the road. So in terms of settling in off the pitch, I assume it was quite straightforward. Have yeah. you settled in, in around Harlington and, and Loftus Road and your, and your new environment?
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. Like you say, I've, moving house is one less thing to worry about really. Um, there's still another a number of things that you've got to get used to, you know, the training ground, the training schedule, um, you know, different ground and things like that. But I've enjoyed it so far. Um, apart from the, the Preston game, obviously we managed to... The first game was the Watford game, which was a good performance. And then the Leeds after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then managed to play in the Rochdale game as well, which we ended up winning. So um, on the whole, it's been been a positive start. And um, yeah, sports has been good. And I'm, I'm sure if we, um, you know, keep performing, picking up results
1: then that will uh, stay for the season. You look at the um, players that we've brought in, bringing in seven players, and some of them have obviously come into England from abroad, having never been in England before, so they've got that settling in period, and you've probably experienced it, albeit on a lesser scale, when you moved down from Liverpool to London, because it's similar in that you're leaving your family, your yeah. friends, your, your schoolmates all behind, and you're a little bit out on your own. Is that, was that a challenge for you then? Yeah, some some will probably compare
3: moving from from up north <laughs> to London as moving to a different country. So uh, no, it, it was it was it was a shock for me. Just you know, it's a, it's a lot busier. Um, you know, you go out on a Sunday night at, back in you know in Southport, you don't see a soul, and you come back to London, you get stuck in a traffic jam. You know, it, it did take a bit of getting used to, um, but once assigned permanently um, at Brentford, you know girlfriend moved down um, and we got our own place and stuff and that that helps um, so I'm sure once, the, I say once the, the new lads as well sort of make that
4: transition and get their own place and get out of the hotels and stuff they'll find it a lot easier and would you help them Jake with that having done it yourself albeit from north to south but also you know you've been a skipper in your time do you see that as part of your uh, role in the Dresden if you like to, to, you know, to get round young players or uh, any new player that comes into the club welcome them tell them a little bit about uh, the areas and things like that is that part of your role
3: um, yeah you, you do what you can just as a player I wouldn't say it's specific to me um, obviously last year being the captain it, it was a, a little bit more responsibility but there's, there's a lot of senior pros that have, have been around the block a lot more times than I have so um, I wouldn't really put myself as a senior player here you know I've still got people I can learn off but like I say as a as a any player should you know you've got to make it as easy as possible because the, the quicker your teammates settle in the, the better it's going to be for everybody.
0: Let's talk about crossing that divide then I think it's only a couple of miles yeah. between Brentford and QBR, yeah. if that. Um, Andy we'll, we'll touch on your move across from, QBR, uh, from Brentford to QBR first and then we'll get Jake's take on it.
4: Well, my move came about, uh, I wouldn't say quite suddenly, there was all sorts of speculation, but um, you know, at the time, uh, first of all, I'd say you know, I owe Brentford a hell of a lot. Uh, I left um, Cambridge at the time, and John Docherty signed me, who was my previous manager at Cambridge, who went in alongside Frank McClintock, and if it wasn't for that, because I was in a rut at Cambridge as a 19-year-old, if Brentford hadn't taken a punt, if you like, for 25 grand or whatever it is in those days, what I achieved in my career might not have happened. Really enjoyed my time, but as as far as moving, you know, do players ever think of the rivalry? Well, I didn't because uh, mine was pretty much a no-brainer. If that makes sense because <laughs> in those days Brentford were in the old third division, where Coopie were in the top flight. So I was stepping up two leagues. So um, once I knew of the interest, it was just a case of. Uh, Agree the fee and uh, I'll go, you go and sign uh, and get on with my career. So I never give it a thought. I had loads of great letters from Brentford fans when I left, you know, saying disappointed to see me go, but they knew why I had gone. And uh, still no people back at the club now. Um, some good people, as I say. Uh, Jake's sort of story or crossover might be a little bit different to mine, but mine was pretty much a no-brainer.
0: If the reaction to you joining QBR on social media is anything to go by, there were a few unhappy Brentford fans. Um, was it a tough decision for you to make? Or does rivalry really not come into it when you're a professional and you're just
3: focused on your next move? Um, it just came down to me for I knew it was time to move on um, and assessing the options that were available to me and picking the best one. Um, and just because QPR was a rival to Brentford, I wasn't going to turn it down for something that wasn't as good. Um, and that's all it came down to, it was, it was a footballing decision. Um, and yeah, I, I just seen it as a as a as a step up in my career and a and a better option, albeit in the, we're in the same division at the moment. But um, hopefully, I'll be proved right and we'll be finishing the table. Friday the twenty
0: eighth of October, Brentford. at home, live on Sky Sports. Expecting a little bit of abuse from the away fans, or <laughs> yeah, or no, that's part what comes it? With,
3: comes with the move. Um, mm. But like I say, if you're gonna you're gonna turn down your best option for. Getting a bit of stick two games a season then So be it. Yeah, that you know, I'll take that all day.
1: Any letters from Brentford fans?
3: No, I've I've had a f- few um sort of live in the area that have same as Andy really, just wish wish me well, to be honest. Um you know so It's just the keyboard on, warriors online that <laughs> are giving him abuse Yeah, no, I have not <laughs> had anyone come up to me in the street and give me any abuse <laughs> or anything. Um Long may that continue. And I and you know, I spoke to the owner once I left and stuff, and he wished me well. Um, so, yeah, I left on pretty good
4: terms with everyone. Not to be fair, you did fantastic for that football club, didn't you? And as you've said, it was just a purely a football decision that you think was in your best interest to move on.
3: Yeah, no, and that, that's all it, all it came down to. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I played over 200 games for them while I was there, and no one can say that I didn't give anything yeah. other than 100%. Um, so, you know, people can say what they say, keyboard warriors can say whatever they like, but no one can take that away from me, so uh, I left with me head held high.
0: Early days then in your your QPR career, one thing that we, we've talked about um, so far um, this season on the Lovecast is QPR's um, ability to score from set pieces this year, you've played a, a big part in that, we do look, Paul you've been here a number of years and so have I, we do look more of a threat from set pieces this year than, than perhaps we have in, in certainly our time here. Um, Rare for a left back, perhaps, to take free kicks so advanced uh, in the pitch. Um, Is that something that you and the manager spoke about during pre-season, or is it just natural that you've got a great left foot, if there's an option of a left foot taking one? Albeit, if it was maybe 20 yards from goal, it might be Charon Cherry or Yeni Bacotto that's over it, but when you're about 30, 35 yards out and it's a direct ball into the box, you seem to be the man to call
3: on. Yeah, um, it's something I've looked to add to my game. you know, the last two or three seasons, really. Like you say, when I was at Everton, you see people like Leighton Baines, it was something he had in his locker. Great example. Took the the corners, pens, free kicks. um, And it was a massive weapon for for Everton Mm -hmm. and and still is. Um, So was something I've been looking to add to my game, Um, you know, like I say, the last couple of years. um, And I think the manager maybe, having obviously watched me last season, has probably seen that and, that's maybe why he's decided to do it. Um, but it's also his—he says attention to detail. That he he doesn't—he won't just have you taking for the sake of it. If if Sherry's better at yeah. them a little bit closer around the box, then Sherry will take them. If Seb's going to take the pens, then you you know you'll have five different people taking the five different set pieces. So I think that reflects on the Gaffer's attention to detail as well.
1: And looking at your game generally, I think a lot of people have said QPR fans have said it, and previously a lot of Brentford fans say it, is he's. Just so consistent, you know what you're going to get from him. Is that do you see that as a compliment? Um, it can, it can
3: be a compliment, but it can also, you know, people can sort of flip it the other way and just say you're you average, sort of thing. So, um, like I say, little things like set pieces and you know, crossing, um, getting into crossing positions and producing that bit of quality, um. Can almost get you from a 7 out of 10 average to an 8 or a 9. Yeah, definitely. And obviously there's going to be games where we're under the caution. As a left-back, you you know, you you just can't
4: do that. So mm. if, you've, if you've got to be consistent, then if you can't I think, I, uh, fact, I just put in there, I think it's really consistent. You know, you're talking to a 7 out of 10 player. Whatever the numbers stack up, I think Jake's level of consistency is something that you need in any any team in any division especially the, in the back four and especially in the position that he plays and the more people you can get on a seven out of ten you become a good side you need to become a really really good side so i don't think we should underplay that uh blandness if you like of uh, you're just a seven out of ten or um mr consistent or something there's a there's a real well there's a real positive in being that
1: and that attacking threat is that something you've added in the last Year to two years because you do your fitness levels seem ridiculous you're always bombing on bombing on is that something that you've always done since switching from keeper to centre back to left back <laughs> yeah. couldn't quite or do, do it when he was <laughs> in goal could <laughs> it? Yeah. yeah no i think having watched the game as a you know
3: a young professional i think the game's changed a lot even when i was a yt to what i am now i mm-hmm. think the fullbacks roles changed massively um, and i think to get to the top as a fullback you need to have that attacking side to your game as well. Like you say, it's important to be consistent. You know, you can't be making mistakes and making rash decisions, but when you get the chance, you need to, um, you need to try and help out at the other end as well, if you can.
0: And I guess if you look at it, you, we've spoken about Leighton Baines, Phil now, but Baines especially in your position. Is he someone that, as a youngster coming through that academy at Everton, that you looked up to almost? Because if you look at their games, they're mm. fairly similar. Because you, you say about Baines' consistency... Jake brings that to the table, and also the the art of the free kick and standing over that free kick and producing good dead balls. Is he someone that
3: you look up to and admire? Yeah, I think you've got to. I think not just because that's where it came from. I think any young left back, you know, can look at him and you know he's played played for England probably, uh, maybe not as many times as he could have, because um, actually Cole was there before him, of course. But um, you know, if you can get to that anywhere near that level, then I
4: think you're going to have a good career. So it's you know, it's definitely something to strive for. Would you speak to someone like Leighton Baines as a younger player? Would you go and say, uh, you know, what can I be doing? How can I improve? Is that something that you, you, you did or did it just develop sort of naturally? No, to be honest, you didn't have the bottle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're sort of 16, 17, you, you you know, you don't really want to... Exactly. You're a bit shy I sort think, of thing, yeah. but so you can just you can sort of watch from afar, really, and just take in as much as you can. And just um, try and emulate. Yeah, no, yeah. that's it. Yeah, Definitely.
0: Wigan then, um, a good 1-0 on the road, thanks in part to your assist, although I'm sure Seb might claim the assist yeah. having, having put it on the plate for Ned. But it was, a, it was a good, ugly win on the road, wasn't it? I mean, we weren't at our free-flowing best, uh, certainly in the first half where there wasn't really much in the game. But second half, um, ideal start with and scoring that goal yeah. on the, in the 48th minute. And then from there, certainly where we were in the press box and Andy in the, uh, in the posh seats, um, it, it did look fairly
3: comfortable. is that how it felt when we were out there? Um, yeah, I think like you say, we weren't probably at our fluent best. But you, if you look back at the chances that they've created, I don't think mm. they had. The, I think they had the one header at the end. Mm. But apart from that, I can't really think of anything that they've had. I think Alex had one save to make, which yeah.
0: is would expect to make.
3: Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's important that you know people always say that it's a sign of a good team. You know, if you can grind out results like that. Um, so. You say if we can pick up a few results when we're not at our best, then hopefully, you know, once we sort start producing near to what we're capable of, then um, you know things should be hopefully looking good for us.
0: And the timing of that win as well, going into this two-week break, how important is that? Because Andy, you said earlier that you can't underestimate how important it is for a group of players going into an international break, getting that win beforehand.
3: Yeah, that's that's you know part. of The, the championship is that you know normally, if you if you do have a bad result, then there's there's normally a game. To follow up pretty quickly. Um, obviously, the exception to that's being the international break. You don't really want. Would um, you have rather than have a game this weekend? Yeah, the way training's been the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> I mean. but, um, no, it's you know you don't you don't want a bad result hanging over you for, for you know sort of the next two weeks. Mm. Um, so it's always nice to go in on the on the back of a good result, and um, hopefully we can carry that on once the uh, once the
1: breaks over what's um just briefly what's the manager like at half time because on the touchline he seems quite um emotive and whistly very whistly <laughs> yeah um at half time is he shouting and barking is he quite calm I think that depends what's gone on in the first half he's got both honest. in his if locker isn't yeah, he
3: yeah if there's if there's something to be said he's, you know he's obviously he's not shy in saying it which is fair enough it's what you need it's what you want um but at the same time, he doesn't come in screaming and shouting for the sake of it. So, um, so I think it just depends on what's, what's going on and how he's seen the first half, really. So, if he does scream and shout, you know he's got the hump. Yeah, and normally it's not without reason, to, mm. to be fair. So, um, you know, normally you haven't, you haven't sort of... Um, got anything to complain about. And if you do look at those two away games, the last two away games, I know we went on and lost
0: at Barnsley in the end, but we came out the traps in the second half well and ditto against Wigan. Um, We've just spoken to Ariel Borashuk outside and he said, only in England when I told him that we've got seven games in 21 days. Um, (laughs) As an Englishman, as a
3: scouser, a hard scouser,
0: you love these games coming up, don't you? Playing every three days?
3: Yeah, no, definitely. It's Like I say, it's... That's part and parcel of the championship. I haven't played you know well in the football league really for the last four or five seasons, you sort of just get used to it. Um and like I say, if you it gives you a chance to build up a bit of momentum pretty quickly. You know, you can can have nine points on the board mm-hmm. in, in a week, um which can shoot you right back up the table. Um but then like I say, if things don't go as well as you'd like in again you've got uh, another one in two two days to put it right. So um, you know, you, you've got if you want to be successful successful in this league then you've, um, you've got to manage yourself and be able to deal with them games in quick succession
1: and in terms of on the pitch from a personal point of view a month gone to the season certainly from a team point of view it's been a very successful opening month fifth in the table through to the third round of the EFL Cup from a personal point of view are you happy with your first month? Um, yeah obviously my first my first job was to come in and, and get myself in the
3: team um, I've managed to do that and obviously we've, we've picked up some decent results along the way um, so like I said I'd go along with uh, the start of teams. I'd really for myself,
4: it's been pretty solid, but there's there's definitely room for improvement. And from your own personal, do you set yourself targets? Do you set yourself goals? Do you, you you know you judge yourself on clean sheets, crosses per game, as, yeah. as some managers you know they do all the stats. Is there anything, or do you just go into game, the old cliche, each game as it comes? Do you, do you look at who you're going to play against the winger and have to adjust your game, or do you just, as I say, just get into the game? Um,
3: yeah, no, I'll always always look at who I'm playing against,
4: um, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and.
3: I'm, I'm a left back, so first and foremost, I've, I've got to defend and stop that player having an yep. impact on the game. Um, and then, like I say, if it can, af- it can affect the game, go the other way with goals, assists, or you know, however that is, then um, that's you know something I um, yeah definitely want to do. And thankfully, I've been able to have a hand in a couple of goals so far. Um, so
4: hopefully, come hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah.
1: Hopefully, we won't have to wait too long for him on the score sheet himself as well and just finally from me this might be a little bit old school and might still go on you say you look at strengths and weaknesses if you're playing up against a right winger and you think he he won't like it if he gets hit hard early yeah. does that come into your thinking not first opportunity wingers, just,
3: just <laughs> let him know yeah, well, it, dep- it depends on the the personality really you're playing against you know mm. some people like you say if you hit them hard they'll go into the shell um, and then some it'll send the other way and it'll it'll G them up yeah. so you're doing yourself no favours if if you go and you know volley them after two minutes, yeah. just, just wind them up. So <laughs> yeah. you, you've got to be smart enough to you've got to realise who, realize know who, who the character yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Jordan Cousins. You're listening to the Loftcast. So
0: a busy period on the pitch as well as off it. Let's hear now from QPR's Director of Football Les Ferdinand and get his views on QPR's business to date this summer. <laughs>
1: Firstly, the window has closed. You never seem to
2: age, but I bet even you're relieved. Yeah, I've got a few more grey hairs in, to be (laughs) honest, trying to bring the players that we wanted to bring in through the door. But um, I think we're we're, we're pleased with what we've done. Um, We could have done with one more player, weren't able to do it in the last minute, but um, uh, we're pleased with what we have brought through.
1: And the last two that came in over the last 24 hours or so, Silla and
2: Pavel, uh, tell us about those. I want you to pronounce his second name. Then, <laughs> I'll come back to him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, Silla is some that we've identified for a while. we got to be honest with you, thought we was, he was way out of our price, price bracket because two weeks before we signed him, uh, Anelette had turned down £8.5 million. Um, And uh, we thought he, you know, we were looking elsewhere. And then we got a call um, through some of our contacts saying, look, this deal might be able to be done it. The money that you want to do it, at. and um, so we feel very fortunate to be able to have done that. Um, he comes in, he gives us a, another presence up front, uh, competition for you know Connor and um, and uh, Seb, Seb, um, and so that will put us in good good stead for, for, for going forward this season. I think most clubs who progress in this league have always got a, a, a trio or a quartet of, of, of strikers. Mm. Uh, if one's not on fire, the other one's on fire. So it's, it's, it's important now to try and keep them all happy um, and get the best out of them, because I think if we can do that, um, it, it'll keep us where we need to go.
1: Tell us about that with Silla. £8.5 million was turned back down by Andelect. We obviously made a, a deal far less than that. How has that occurred?
2: Um, I think uh, it's one of those things that uh, sometimes clubs uh, get an offer for a player, and they think that player's worth perhaps a bit more, and they think they'll get a bit more. And then you've got to a stage where... Um, they realised they weren't going to get any more and I think like, he expressed a, a view that he wanted to move on and I think they'd expressed a viewpoint that they'd allowed him to move on. Um, they wanted their money in there and realised they weren't going to get any more money and we were able to nip, nip in the back door and um, uh, do a deal. Excellent and
1: Pavel gives uh, the manager some wide options.
2: Yeah, it's one of the areas that we felt we needed to strengthen in, um, bringing uh, a, a wide, another wide player. Um, We've got a few injuries as well at the moment so hopefully we can get those boys back as quickly as possible but I think um, Pavel coming in uh, he's a quick player that um, gets down the line and um, gets crosses in so that'd be, that that will play as well for, for the second balls. it's just coming. okay and looking
1: back there's seven players that have come in over the course of the couple of months. they all are, are quite similar at by and large in terms of their age
2: in terms of what they've achieved and the potential to achieve more in their careers yeah I think the important thing for us is uh, you know as, as we've spoken about time and time again is uh, is we we bought players with a hunger We want to go and play in the Premier League we have got ambitions to play in the Premier League they want to take QPR there um, but if they don't take us there they want to get there themselves so in, in terms of them still progressing their careers uh, you know they're going to take us to where we need to be um, and you know we're going to be up the the, the the better end of the table rather than the, the, the bottom part of the table. And if these boys uh, come and do and do what they're capable of, we feel they're capable of doing, then um, you know, we feel like we'll be in, in a great position. Cole
1: Capecua has left the club, joining Barnsley on a permanent contract. Some QPR fans have been surprised by that. They felt he was perhaps knocking on the, the first team door, but a decision had to be made, there.
2: Yeah, um, it, it, sometimes you, you're faced with these difficult decisions in football. Um, you know, I myself thought... Uh, Cole was going to be one that was really challenging. I mean, last year I, I, we brought Paul Kancheski in there for a season because we wanted uh, Cole to, to, to challenge him then. And I, I thought that Cole was going to play more games and Kancheski was going to back him up. Didn't work out that way. And um, we've got into this season and he hasn't quite got to where we need him to be. Uh, and sometimes you look at situations and you feel in the best interest of the player and the football club. Um, it's, but if he moves on, you know what, I, I sincerely hope he does come back to, to, to bite me on the backside because I do believe he's got talent, but I don't think he was going to realise that talent here at QPR. He'd been here for a long time and the environment had become a little bit too comfortable for him.
1: OK, uh, two players that have gone out on loan as well, Brandon Comley, Reese, Grego Cox. Young players who've been around the club for a long time, important in their development. You, of course, know about the importance of being loaned out to, to help you to develop.
2: Yeah, um, both players been around the, the the club for a long time um, and showed so good uh, progression. Um, just felt the under twenty three football was pr- perhaps a little bit too comfortable for them. Yeah. And you know we've spoken about it time and time again. You get your players to a, a stage where you feel they need to go out and play men's football to you know to enhance their careers and um, you know, we, we certainly believe Brandon's there and, 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 and at least uh, Gregor Cox as well. I think he needs a, a good learn period going out, playing men's football, scoring some goals because as I said, the 23s football has become uh, a little bit too comfortable. With. I know we're calling it 23s football now, but it was 21s last year and um, he just needs that little bit extra.
1: OK, and just finally, two players who didn't go. There was plenty of speculation about Stephen Corker and Sandro. They're now staying at the club. So what is their situation? Obviously Stephen Cork has been heavily involved in first team affairs to date.
2: Yes, yeah, Stephen Cork has come back, he was, he, he's been in great uh, shape since he's come back uh, pre-season and um, started the season I've started it very well, picked up a bit of a niggle but I don't think it was ever in the, the, the managing intentions to let Stephen Corker go. Um, I mm. think there was lots of speculation just because in the past he's the one that's gone out. You know, Last year he mm. was the first to go out the door on so there's been a little bit of speculation. Sandro's situation is, it, is what it is really. Um, Again, there was a lot of speculation about him going or staying. He's, he's chosen to stay. Um, it's down now for the manager to decide whether he's going to really include him in his squad. He hasn't so far, except for the cup game, scored two goals, and maybe that's nudged him a little bit. And we'll have to see where we go. Um, but I think we're strong in that position in the players that we've brought in, um, and it's up to Sandra to keep training the way he's training, and when he gets the opportunity to um, to show the manager that he's the one that needs to stay. In there. Rest now until January? Don't know about rest, but um <laughs> my, my phone won't go off as much as it has been going <laughs> off in the last month. Um, so yeah, we can now assess where we are as a squad and what we perhaps need to add in January if we if we can um, add anything to it.
0: The views there of Director of Football Les Ferdinand. Seven ins, four outs, five loans, Andy Sinton. How would you assess QBR's business this summer?
4: Good. Uh, I think there's been uh, a number of good, promising signings. I think Les touched on it in his interview, you know, all with a at a good age, with a hunger, with an ambition, uh, which is, you know, we've been banging that drum for the last couple of years, or eighteen months anyway. You know, that's sweeping through the club. But uh, I, th- I think we've brought in some good players. I think you asked me a couple of weeks ago, will we shorten a couple of areas? I think I said, along with many other people, a widener forward. Well, that's been addressed with potentially two really, really exciting uh, ins. So... Um, I think it's been good business and uh, it's nice to say the club. We're not overspending, we're not going stupid, we're not um, paying above the odds. If we can't get anyone, we, we back away or we wait till, you know, I think you've just heard a say, you know, that deal was done for Scylla for Silla, um, or it was closed, but then it, it resurrects itself. So uh, I think they've done good business and uh, a credit to everyone there.
0: And one positive for us, Paul, we were home at about half eight, nine o'clock on Wednesday night when we're normally traveling home in the early hours of the morning after a deadline day evening. Um, Your views on what unraveled as such on Wednesday, obviously there was a a couple of of loans and then um, the arrival of Pavel Vosilek, I've probably pronounced that completely wrong, but until we see him and he returns from international duty next week, we'll go with Wash-A-Lek. Um Your views on 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 how it all unravelled on on deadline day?
1: Yeah, I think it was um, it was very different to how it has been at QPR in recent years, and that's what it was the, calm wasn't it? It was it was <laughs> calm, and I, it's what it's what the fans have wanted, and it's what the the club have looked to do as well. Obviously, there's the initial challenge having gone down a couple of years ago to change your Premier League squad into a championship squad. So there is going to be a fair turnover of players there, particularly when you've got players who see themselves as Premier League players. So you've got to help them to to move on. So there's that challenge in almost completely changing your squad. Whereas this time around, the second consecutive year, in the championship. And let's not forget, it's been a while since we've had that, mm. because we've had the promotion, the, yo-yo, the, yeah. the, the last day survival in the Premier League, then the relegation, and then promotion via the playoffs, then the relegation. So it's been very difficult almost to stabilize because we haven't been in the same division for, for long enough. Yeah. So everyone was, or well, certainly a lot of people were calling out for consolidation. And part of that, has been almost to consolidate in the championship and to gradually build a, a squad that's a young squad that can develop and, and grow and to, to a different level. And you, you, like we were saying, that you look at the players that have come in, you look at Jake Bidwell. Interestingly, we met um, Ian Dowie at Wigan and he was speaking a, about Jake Bidwell. And he said from last season, he said, I see a lot of the championship through his work with Sky. And he said, in his opinion, Jake Bidwell was the best fullback in the division. He said he was a fantastic sign for us. You look at him; he's only 24 years old, and you can only see him getting better and better. And you could say that pretty much across the board for the, the signings we've made, which is really exciting. And then again, in 12 months, when or at the end of this season, when. Reece gregor Cox, where would he be for the 2017-18 season? And Brandon Comley and Darnell Furlong. So I think it is it is really exciting. And you look at the reaction on social media of the QPR fans and by and large, it, they're really pleased. And Andy, as important as it is to give young players a chance, we've
0: just touched on the likes of Meade and Osman, and it's all about encouraging them to, to show their talent. It's really important that the likes of Yeni, Idrissa and Powell all get time to settle because Les Ferdinand's openly said in the last... 12 months or so, that overseas players can sometimes take 12 to 18 months to settle in. So it's not going to happen overnight, but it's great to see three young attacking talents come to the club.
4: I think excellent signings, uh, and you're quite right. You know, it will take them a little bit of time to settle. Time will tell, ultimately. You know, they're it? not just moving 10 miles up the road, they're moving country. with well, all that comes with it, you know, I don't know if they've got families, I don't know the lads themselves yet, you know, but there's all that they've put into the mix. Different culture, they've got to find a home. If they've got kids, they've got to get kids into school or, or things like that. You know, it all goes into the mix. So, uh, time of the essence, you know, patience a little bit, but hopefully these three guys in particular can... Uh, can really hit the grand running and make a difference. I wouldn't say immediately, but almost immediately come in and uh, make that difference to get us from where we've been, uh, certainly last season, to where we want to go to.
0: So the four outs, Paul, just looking at the four outs, obviously Leroy Fair moving to Swansea, Matt Phillips to West Brom. They were both quite early on in the window, which was which was good business from QBR's point of view. Cole Kopec were on deadline day moving to Barnsley, and Les gave us a little bit of an explanation there because... Um, when we broke that news about Kolkapec, I actually thought the world was just about to end on social media, but thankfully we all pulled through the other side. Um, and then Daniel Terger as well. Um, good business, really, because... Certainly with Leroy and Matt, they they had ambitions to play at the highest level, which they've got. Daniel Terje has, has moved on and he's moved back to his home country where he'll hopefully be a little bit happier. And obviously Cole, Les sees this as a,
1: a good move for both the player and the club. Yeah, I think in the case of Daniel Terje, and I think he would say this as well, for whatever reason, it just, just didn't work didn't out. for We said, didn't we, out.
0: when we signed him from Watford, he, he came was with excellent came with, a, came with a great pedigree. And it, mm. it just hasn't worked out. But you do sometimes get that with players. Yeah,
1: we, it, he was seen as almost like the the excellent backup to challenge Ali, Ali Fanny. Yeah. but it just didn't quite work and yeah like you say hopefully it will work out for him now back in Hungary and with Cole Kopech where obviously Les has spoken about that and like Les says hopefully it does come back to, to buy Les on the backside because it means it almost it has worked to a degree he felt that Cole was too comfortable here at QPR and it just wasn't going to help him to develop his game and sometimes a player needs to to move to pastures new to to get to the next level, so we wish um, Cole all the best. Best certainly with that, and yeah, Leroy and Matt—they wanted to play, play Premier League football, and I suppose now that it'll be interesting to see how Sandro settles in, because. We saw against uh, Rochdale certainly what he's capable of. He openly said he was looking to move to the Premier League and the manager and the club were trying to help him achieve that. That hasn't happened. So I suppose from the manager's point of view, he's got it's almost like another player that he's, he's got available that he didn't expect to have.
0: And if this head tennis session behind us that's currently going on at the moment is anything to go by, he's, uh, his competitive streak is, is very much still there. Andy, just looking at... The loans, it's been good to see the likes of Jet hit the ground running at Ginnanem. scored uh, a lot of goals already. Darnell Furlong, I think he's even opened his account as well. Yeah, or, he scored a couple of weeks um, ago, didn't he? And, and, and doubts as well. And now there's an opportunity for, for the youngsters, Reese and Brandon Comley. Brandon Comley played very well in that under-23 game that me and you commentated on uh, on QBR Player HD last Friday. Real opportunity for not just the experienced or the more experienced guys like J. Emmanuel Thomas, but for these youngsters to go out and get some more game time.
4: I think it's vital. Uh, I said on commentary when we were discussing, you know, I call it proper football. Um, I'm not disrespecting the under-21s or the under 23 football. but It's going to take some time to get back
0: to calling it the 23s know, instead uh, of the it's, 21s. It's
4: quite strange, isn't it? But uh, obviously, Brandon went out last year and did quite well, or well up the Car- Carlisle. You know, but I, I believe these youngsters, uh, a vital stage of their development is to get out of the, the, the comfort zone of that type of football and go and play in front of a crowd. Go and play where there's points at stake. Go and play where a manager might be under pressure because um, let's just choose what I'm going to say carefully. In certain under-21s, or under-23s or under-18 games, you can encourage a player to keep doing things even if he's making mistakes because the end result is not the... But when a manager might have one or two games to save his skin, mm. he's going to make sure in team meetings and training that under no circumstances to be playing poor areas and stuff. Mm. That's That's not... That's not taken away from players' development. I actually think that's developing people because you, you're learning them good it's habits. That's another
1: part of their development.
4: Yep. And, you know, you might be playing in the game where the crowd gets a little bit agitated. You know, how do you, you come here and other than 60 people, there's no one watching? So that's another part of the development. How do they cope with an environment mm-hmm. where people are have paid good money, they've supported their team for 50, 60 years, 30 years, uh, they've had a couple of pints beforehand, you know, and they don't like what they see. That that yeah. all comes in. I think that's a massive part of players' development. Mm. And someone like Reese and Brandon uh, and Darnell, I know they're thought about highly. They're probably not ready yet, but Les and Jimmy have made that step, or the club have made that step. So, right, we, we think they're at a stage of their development where this is what they need. And uh, I, I'm sure they'll do really, really well.
0: And with those seven ins, we touched on it earlier, Jimmy Floyd-Hasselbank is going to have a bit of a selection headache on his hands, but competition is healthy.
1: Yeah, completely. And while we all are desperate to see them play this weekend or, you know, it be great to just see them straight out there. I'd love a game on
0: Saturday, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> completely. But
1: I would imagine Jimmy Floyd-Hasselbank is delighted that he's got this run because after this, it's seven games in 21 days, yep. he's got this week or 10 days to look at the players that obviously aside from Pavel until he returns from international and duty. And Idrissa as well. Idrissa's coming back, I think, Monday after his guinea. So at least he's good. got those few days to have a look at them in training, get them to understand his style of play, what he expects from them and get the, the players to, to get to know each other as well. So he's probably delighted there's no midweek game, a rarity it seems in the championship at the moment with this uh, unexpected cup run that we're enjoying. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he's probably delighted, but I think from everyone else's point of view, we just want a game of football against Blackburn to come around as quick as possible.
0: And I'm sure we'll touch on team selection in next week's Loftcast Andy, but it's going to be difficult for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank to change that team after the victory at Wigan. So he's gonna have some decisions to make. You'd expect maybe Idrissel and Powell to to maybe have to bide their time slightly as they integrate into the squad, but... um, Stephen Calker will be knocking on the door. There'll be one or two others. Oh, Ariel Boryshoek will Who'd be... Who'd be a manager, eh? Who'd well, be you, a manager. You tried it, didn't you? didn't <laughs> work out too well for you, did it? <laughs> Steady, Tails. <laughs>
4: 13 trophies in four years. I don't think that's too oh, bad. Okay. So. <laughs> and a promotion first attempt. Give yeah. yourself a pat on the back. But Just no, fun. in all seriousness, it, it, it's going to leave Jimmy with, with, with some great great things to ponder. But that's what you want, I think. There's nothing worse of a manager and almost the team picks itself it's great if the team's won four in a row and it almost picks itself from that point of view. But competition of places now players have got anything about it and they should welcome competition. I harp back Did you as a player? I was just gonna say I harp back to my career and if I remember Tottenham when I was playing sort of more middle of the parkish, they brought Alan in, Alan Nielsen. And I almost took it on a daily basis that he wasn't gonna score more than me, probably did, but that was the the way I trained my finish mm-hmm. and I made sure I was if not better than him, certainly alongside he did you want him to train well I wanted everyone to train well you've retired
1: now, but you there's surely p- uh, know, if, I was, if I was a player I would want everyone to
4: train well because I saw it as um, I think one of my strengths and I'll pat myself on the back I was a team player I wasn't in it for myself. Of course, you want to do well for your career, but I wanted to be part of a successful side. So if I'm a QPR player two days ago. Yes, yeah, so, okay. So say if you're Sebastian Polter
0: and we've just brought in Idris Asilla, we play one up front at the minute in yep. a four-two-three-one formation, if you like. If you're Seb Poulter, are you thinking, I've got to look over my shoulder? Or mm. if you're Seb Poulter, are you thinking, right, this is it, I'll go
4: again now? I think knowing Seb Poulter the way we know Seb Poulter, I think he'll he'll welcome that and he'll say, I'll go again. Raises mm. game accordingly. I think players who are a little bit insecure of themselves will see it as a threat. But
0: there's not too many. I, I look around the QBR dressing room now, I don't see... Any characters that are really like that and are insecure and are almost going to take offence to
1: the gaffer bringing in somebody else to compete for their jersey. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think you're right, particularly with someone like Seb. He, he'd almost Bring finish it on. and say, OK, yeah. no problem. That's my spot and this is how I'm going to hang on to it. By,
4: by he should be almost saying, through, his, through the way he trains and the way he plays, he, he's going to be saying to Jimmy, I'm your number one or number nine, if you, but, or who are you going to play with me? Not am I going to make way for someone else? Mm. That's the way.
0: Make it bloody difficult for the manager to That's drop. That's the it. way
4: I would approach it. And let's it up. You know what? What you have when you have got competition for places. Let's say if he starts with seven, seven's not having a, a great day. Someone then go He's on. He's got a like for like. He can put on there. there there's, there's 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 your opportunity. Your Connor Washington. There's your opportunity. Yeah. He's got the. The ability or the, the flexibility now possibly to play two up to maybe change the formation. He's got wide players that can swap sides and competition mm. for places. Middle of the part, I think, was strong. Centre-backs, you've already touched on Nederman, Hawley. You know how well they were, but let's not forget the first two games. I thought Stephen Corker was immense. Yeah. Lynch to come uh, back in. Lynch mm. to come back in, you know, with a wealth of experience. You've got two fantastic goalkeepers. You've got Bidwell, 7 out of 10, everyone says. Week in, week out. Who did you say you thought he was? Ian Dowie, best yeah. best fullback in the division. Right back... We've got and Nedham competing for that. So competition right through the club or right through the squad is is great. And sometimes it can make or break a player. But as I say, knowing the lads that I know with, at this sort of stage in the QPR, I think it'll make them rather than break them.
3: That's the, area, the ball is whipped in. It'll it come to Gallagher and it bounces in. And Preston get a really ugly lead here at Loftus Road.
0: It so was... just looking back and um, a, a negative to start, unfortunately, in what's been a... A relatively positive start to the new campaign, a, a 2-0 defeat at Preston, Andy, and that was really an afternoon where we just didn't get going.
4: Yeah, t- let's be totally honest, it was a, it was a really you poor... You sound p- so deflated
0: even when I mention the word Preston. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was a really disappointed, uh, disappointing performance, um, certainly what we've been used to, and I include, when I say what we've been used to, I include the back end of last season. We were just well below par. Um, and quite rightly, none of the players defended themselves. Uh, the management came out and said exactly the same and everyone in the club, because uh, if you start trying to defend performances like that, you you lose a little bit of credibility. We were poor from start to finish. Um, we have to take it on the chin, but uh, then you need to bounce back.
0: And there's only one
4: man to blame for this defeat, and he's
0: sitting opposite me as we record this podcast, Paul Morrissey, swanning off in the sun for the first couple of weeks, and then you're back on PA duties, isn't it? all falls to pieces can you explain yourself please? well it
1: does and I'd been told um quite confidently by uh, my fellow colleagues how well we were playing and defensively how strong we looked so um I was looking forward to the game at Loftus Road and uh yeah it was it, it, it wasn't what had been advertised while I'd <laughs> been away Jimmy uh, Ford Hasbank
0: afterwards you spoke to him and he mentioned that uh, tiredness was potentially a factor he's not one to make excuses and he may well regret saying that because a lot of the fans said afterwards you're only a couple of weeks into the season how can they be tired but Andy you can probably tell us more about this it's not just a physical tiredness there's a mental tiredness having suffered a defeat at, at Barnsley
4: a few days earlier in the last minute yeah I think there was a few things that he got put into the mix I think Jimmy just didn't mean uh, or what I read into what I hear him he doesn't mean they were tired on the day uh, yeah, they looked at. But if you if you wind the clock back, you know, three days. You you go to Barnsley. You're up against it for long periods of the game. You get yourself in front, uh, and then it, you throw it away. Almost emotionally, that takes a bit. There's a long journey back. Let's not underestimate. The players wouldn't have got back till three o'clock Thursday morning. Mm. Then they they have to you know get home, get to bed, get up the next day, get in the training ground. It all takes its toll a little bit. But there was a there was a period of five or six games in a quick succession. The squad was quite thin at the time, um, so I think that's probably what Jimmy was trying to say because uh, the players aren't tired in terms of um, their fitness levels. Uh, I think it was just a few things came into the mix and added, all added up to a, a really, really poor performance, which he admitted.
1: Second goal of the game for the Brazilian. And in the week when uh, Rio has been on everyone's lips, it's the man from Brazil who is absolutely dominating this fixture now two goals from the midfielder Sandro
0: okay so then on to Rochdale and back to winning ways and I don't think Paul many people would have expected Sandro to be at the double but his two goals took us through to the third
1: round of the EFL cup with
0: a a 2-1 victory over Rochdale
1: yeah it was excellent and I suppose going into it you're thinking okay it's an opportunity here to get back to winning ways without looking to take opposition lightly, particularly in cup competitions, certainly where QPR are concerned. But you did look at it on paper and say, "Okay, a couple of disappointing defeats to Barnes in Preston. Let's get back to winning ways. And then within five minutes, Matt Lunders scored. We're 1-0 down. And it was almost like we couldn't get out of our half. And you're thinking, (laughs) oh, no, this isn't good. But what, again, I found really interesting was, and I remember the previous season against Bolton, it was similar. We went 2-0 down against Mm. Bolton. And suddenly the fans reacted. It was almost like again it, after we conceded against Rochdale the supporters recognised we're in a bit of a, a pickle here and yeah, the, the reaction around you, the stadium the, the was, was the brilliant out. and then the, the players got going I thought in the second half it it, it became quite comfortable like you say Sandro an, an unlikely match winner to score the two goals and a uh, he was entertaining as ever after the first one, kissing the uh, kissing the, the, knee. The, the knee that's been uh, well-documented and um, then scoring the winner as well. And it was actually, in the second half, I thought, I thought it was a strong performance, but I thought the reaction of
4: the fans was great. Yeah, we picked up a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? we? We mentioned that very one similar game last year, Bolton. We had just come back from uh, from Fulham, uh, you know, went 2-0 down very quickly and that's where the fans really, really do or can play their part and I think on the whole, the fans have been great throughout and certainly this season have been excellent.
0: And what was great to see in that game was a, another debut for Osman Kakay. Olamide Shadipo was out there as well, Andy. And there does seem, seem to now be a genuine pathway to the first team. We've spoken to Paul Furlong earlier this week um, about the pathway now between the 18s and the 23s. And then now is that pathway 18-23s first team.
4: And that's what we're trying to do. Well, that's what the football club's trying to do and it has to do. You know, we've, it's well documented the the philosophy that uh, we're going to adopt. We'll have to try and produce our own players. And on the night I did commentary and I thought those two lads that you mentioned, um, the two homegrown boys were real shining lights. I thought the second half, they really, really did well. Um, and that, sh- that shows you what can, what can be achieved. And I think you, you mentioned, you know, Paul Furlong with the under-18s. I think it sends a message out right through the club that this is a club now that if you're doing well, you're working hard and you're good enough. You will get your chance. But I actually think it sends a message out to the coaches as well. Because if you're a coach and you're working with players day in, day out, and you're doing as well and you're probably recommending people mm. further up the, yeah. the pecking order, if you like, but that's just getting ignored. That can be deflating for the coaches as well. And that's where there that has probably seemed over the years to have been different segments of the club. Now it's very much as one, which is I'm delighted with.
0: And Paul Ariel Borrachuk as well, uh, making his first start in the heart of the QBR midfield.
1: He did well. Yeah, he did do well and he got an excellent reaction when he came off from the the fans as well. He's a a player that we said it during pre-season, you see how he played in in those games and we were saying, this is a player that the fans are going to like. Going to pick up a few bookings maybe along the way, quite wholehearted in the tackle. Yeah, (laughs) I think think we take yellows at this stage (laughs) because he he does like a tackle and he said afterwards it's... He, he enjoys that side of the game if the ball's there to to be won, he goes for it it's, i suppose the concern will be when the ball's not there to be <laughs> won, and he goes for it but yeah he's certainly a a wholehearted player he he won't stop running and um yeah i think the fans are, are going to really like him just going back to your point about um osmond kakai uh, jimmy floyd hasselbank said afterwards about how important it is that the fans really sort of almost look after the young players when they they get the opportunity in the first team they are going to make mistakes that's because they're young they're developing and they're learning and actually during that game against rochdale one of the young lads misplaced a pass and there was a, a small murmur of groans from fans um in the paddocks and the manager actually turned and faced them and he said this is your boy you've got to support him support him he's he's young help him help him and then the fans sort of around then started applauding the manager's comments if mm. you like and that's going to be crucial isn't it Andy I that think that's fantastic. when these young lads get the opportunity the fans have got to back them and almost accept mistakes will
4: happen oh, it comes with the territory you know young players do make mistakes young players are inconsistent they go from within games or even game to game so uh, and I, I wasn't aware of that story but if Jimmy's done that I, I think that's uh, that's fantastic from a managerial point of view um, because all fans really want to see, well, everyone sings, you know, he's one of our own at certain clubs and stuff like that. All fans really do want to see their own players coming through. I think they, they feel an affinity. But with that, as I say, uh, there's going to be ups and downs. And uh, for the fans to stay with them and encourage them through when, when things aren't going well is a vital ingredient of the players' development.
1: There is the final whistle. They've done the job.
0: And there's nothing more important than heading into an international break a two-week international break with a win and we, we certainly did that at Wigan I was going to say in style at Wigan it wasn't really in style but there was a, a style about QBR's playing in the second half Andy that showed that not only can we get the ball down and play but we can also mix it which is very important in the championship
4: Very much so uh, I hear people saying oh you didn't play that well and this that and the other you know let's not I take under- not playing well and winning 1-0 away well, every Let's week. not underestimate when you go anywhere in any league and you go away from home and you win and you come back at three points you keep a clean sheet you, you you take that. And I'm a great believer, you know, um, I sat with Les during the game, you know, and I, I was I was actually saying to Les, having managed myself and played a, a lot myself, I think during the course of a season, you're going to be at your very best probably two or three times. I'm talking about your very best. You're going to be at your appalling worst, hopefully, no more than two or three times. It's those other 40 games, 38 games, that you, it's going to be nip and tuck. How you manage them? How you see them through and how you get over the line? And without being pretty and without being brilliant, we got the job done. And um, the second half, I thought we totally uh, controlled the game. And, and the uh, skipper
0: came up with a with a vital goal. What, what a finish. His all-round performance um, alongside Grant Hall, obviously, with Stephen Corker missing out, owing to injury, and Joel Lynch currently sidelined as well. His all-round performance in the heart of the QBR back four was uh, one to really savour.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. I think a lot of the fans were split on who their man of the match was. And it was between those two, Grant Hall and... Nedum just seems to be getting in the way of everything and last minute blocks and interceptions and he actually played well regardless of his goal. I think it's almost the modern day if a defender scores, he <laughs> gets the man of the match award. But regardless of his goal, I thought he, he played really well and Grant Hall just seems to be almost going beyond last season already. He seems to have gone up a, a gear. When people were saying, can he, can he um, do that again? He's gone to the next level. He, he just seems so... So controlled in possession, winning the ball, keeping possession, helping build attacks. And uh, I think the manager is going to have a, a, a selection, selection dilemma, isn't he? Because Nedim comes in at centre back and does so well. But obviously, Stephen Calker is waiting in the wings to return as well.
0: And Andy, just uh, finally, as we sum up um, the last three games, a word on the QPR supporters. We've mentioned that, um, in that game uh, against Rochdale in the week, they really got behind us when we went a goal down. But to take nigh on 800 fans to Wigan, um, we're still in the summer holidays, let's not forget. It, it's something, really.
4: Fantastic, fantastic support. You know, I, I keep saying QPR, I've got magnificent support. Sometimes they're very hard to please, but that's sometimes not a bad thing. But on the whole, they stay with their team. They, they travel in their numbers, um, but they will be enthused by what they see on the pitch, just like any fan at any club in any country. And I think they can see the signs of um, what's happening here, what's the... The, the path that we're trying to plot uh, and the progression that we're making but as I say I saw a lot of them as I was driving into the ground and coming into the ground I stopped and had a chat with many you know they just love their football club they love their football club and they no football fan that goes through a ground deliberately to moan or to get on the back they will if they see things QPR fans uh, just want their team to be successful and do as well as they possibly can and uh, credit to them all for travelling <coughs> Thanks for joining us
0: on episode three of the Loftcast. Special thanks to Les Ferdinand and Jake Bidwell for joining us. We'll be back with episode four next week.